I enjoyed that. And I enjoy it every time you tell it. <laughs> Brother Bobby Wood, uh, Bob Knox, Brother Bob Knox and I were on a flight going into to Indonesia. We were actually going to Singapore before we got into Indonesia. And the Singaporean, we were in the exit row and the Singaporean uh, ladies, uh, uh, flight attendants were sitting in front of us looking at us. And, and I said, Bob. Tell her, Sayachin Tapatamu. And uh, Bob said, what does that mean? I said, just tell her, just tell her, Sayachin Tapatamu. And he said, I don't know. And I said, she will love it. And uh, so he looked at her, and he said, Sayachin Tapatamu. And she got, her eyes got real big, and he said, what did I say? Of course, she speaks English, you know. I said, you said, I love you. <laughs> so... He's never let me live that one down either. <clears throat> when I came home in, in 2006, when Mel and I came home uh, off the field full-time, I became a, a full-time instructor with Fishers of Men because I wanted to do more with evangelism. And Brother Tim Wilkes, the director, asked me, and Cordova is the sponsor for the Fishers of Men, and Brother, Brother Tim Wilkes asked me to be the international instructor. And so I have been, I have taught fishers of men in 13 different countries. And there you live three months at a time to, to teach this course. And some of the countries I have, uh, over the past 10 years, I've taught a couple of times. And um, I uh, uh, am grateful that I've had the opportunity to do so because it is a tremendous tra training course and it's one that when I took it to Indonesia and you remember the map of the 65 congregations by our, where our graduates are preaching, I believe that had a lot to do with that because I took it there in 1997 and began to teach it there and in 1998 when we moved back I, we began to teach it all over every place we could and now our students get it all the time. And I thought that it would be good if I presented a lesson that highlighted fishers of men perhaps uh, give you some insight into this work. In the past 10 years, that's 40, 40 quarters, I have been in foreign countries for 22 quarters, for 22 quarters. Um, that's four quarters a year, 10 years, that's, that's right, 22 quarters. So my wife says she lives in Wetumpka and I visit. But uh, uh, the other day, I was uh, on a Wednesday night, I was at Wetumpka, and one of the elders walked up and said, uh, please fill out a visitor's card. Uh, but, uh, and one elder, uh, last year, he, when he asked me on a Wednesday night, Barry, would you do the announcements, and before you do, introduce yourself. But, uh, so I'm not there a lot, but, but I appreciate God has given us the opportunity to serve in this way, and I appreciate congregations who help us do this, because it takes all of us to do these kinds of works. And I hope that I can give you some insight on a lesson on evangelism that will encourage you and to think about also to be uplifted in the necessity of taking the gospel to the lost. And uh, there we go. And of course, this course started, it was first written and begun to be taught in 1977. 
But, but one of the principles of this course is that everywhere I go in the world and I work with congregations, there is a culture of the church that has come to a point where many congregations do not do evangelism. And I don't know about you, and, I, and, and, and so I'm not here judging you. I'm, I'm simply presenting some observation. Many congregations, I know in Wetumpka, we struggle with, with trying to get more and more brethren involved in evangelism. And, uh, and that's when I say struggle, we, we make an effort to do so. And, and every congregation has an idea about evangelism. And, 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 but are we doing a good job at it? And, and so one of the things that I wanted to do was to, to take the gospel to a, to a congregation. And when I walked away, they were capable of doing it for themselves. I have taught many a sermon on evangelism, just like I'll be teaching a sermon this morning, presenting a lesson. But when we walk out the door, hopefully we'll agree with it, but when we walk out the door, what will change? Will there be anything different? If something needs to change, will it change? Or will I, if I'm evangelistic, I hope that you'll be encouraged by the things that I say. In Matthew chapter 28, and if you will, turn, take your Bibles and turn with me there. Remember what Jesus said, giving the Great Commission. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, verse 18. Then he says, go and make disciples, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all way even to the end of the age. There are three basic things in this, in this passage of Scripture that we want to highlight this morning briefly. Number one, Jesus said, I have all authority. And when I submitted to God, and when I obeyed the gospel and I made that good confession, I accepted Christ as my commander-in-chief because he has this authority. And the commander-in-chief says, go. And then he says, I will be with you. The things that we have in this passage of Scripture encourage us, also directs us. First of all, our master says, Barry, you must go. Secondly, he also says, I will be with you. When I go, take the gospel, I'm doing several things. First of all, I'm obeying my master. Secondly, I am helping someone else as I am indebted because I was given the opportunity to be saved. And thirdly, I'm demonstrating that I trust him. You know, the word trust is a, a word that requires demonstration. I can't walk up to, to someone and say, hey, I trust you. I have to show I trust that person. And so when we think about the Great Commission, there are a number of things that are involved in us taking the gospel to the lost. That happens to me in my mind and in my life that I must then, when I practice it, things begin to happen outside of me. And I want to understand that. In, am I doing this right? Well, I have the, there it goes. The batteries are still good. 
A goal of the Fishers of Men is to help us change the way we think about evangelism and to evaluate our individual responsibility toward people who are lost in our communities. In Mark 16 and verse 15, of course, another passage of the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. But as each of us as individuals, as we hear that, what does it really mean to me? What does that mean? Well, when you stop and think about the status quo thinking regarding evangelism in the culture of the church today, what is it? And I ask these questions in, in a Fishers of Men class when I teach it, and, and, and I get these responses. Well, it's the preacher's responsibility. Or there are a few brethren in the congregation with the preacher who are responsible to do that part of the work. Well, well if I'm a member of the church and I'm making this statement, what am I doing? How am I serving God in the Great Commission? Or is it to me? You see, these are questions that, that all of us must ask at some point. Another, another might be, uh, can you hit the button up there, Brother Martin? Okay, thank you. The church needs a program in order to evangelize. Is that true? Does the church need a program in the congregation for us to take the gospel to our community? Is that how it worked in the New Testament? Have you ever heard preachers talk about, and I know Brother Jim Dearman. Jim was in a year behind me in Memphis School of Preaching, so he's just a young guy, you know. But uh, uh, I know Jim and others, and I met Brother uh, Watkins uh, last night, and uh, uh, Rick and I know brethren have talked about we want to restore New Testament Christianity. Well, when will we restore New Testament evangelism? Isn't that part of New Testament Christianity? And, and how will we restore New Testament evangelism? Is it that we have a program? And, and so we want to think about Things like that. Well, I give my money, and so that way we can do mission work. Well, that's true. We do give our money to help others take the gospel as well. And without giving our money, many things cannot be done. Brethren, when I think about all the folks who have helped us in Indonesia, none of that would have happened if we hadn't been a team of people from congregations with support and prayers and interest. If they hadn't been there, we wouldn't be there. And so it takes a lot, but is that all? How, how does this help our community? How does this reach our neighbor? And, and so this is a, a, a thing that uh, we want to consider. I'm afraid to talk to people so, uh, because I don't know enough. So these are some, and perhaps there are many others you can think of, that are kind of the status quo thinking about evangelism. But can I overcome those things? I'd like for you to take your... Uh, Hit it one more time there. I'd like for you to take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. And Matthew 24 and verse 14. And Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The end here is in the context of the destruction of Jerusalem. And so what Jesus is prophesying is that the gospel will go into all the world in the next 40 years, because the destruction of Jerusalem came in AD 70. So he is prophesying that because the, the message of the church will be established and then the message will begin to go out, 
that it will be accomplished in all the world in 40 years. Now the question that, that I want to ask us is that, was it fulfilled? And, and, and if so, if so, when was it fulfilled? And, and if so, how was it fulfilled? And I think that we can begin to get a little insight, if we haven't already, about the New Testament evangelism issue. How was it in the New Testament? Well, if we turn to hurriedly, because I want to get to some things of a practical application where we have seen brethren put these things into use uh, in just a few moments. But in Romans chapter 10, remember the passage that talks about, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, in reality, that passage is talking about the gospel going into all the world and fulfillment of this prophecy. Because he says in verse 18 of chapter 10, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world. Brethren, by the time the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Romans, the language was now starting to be like fulfillment of Matthew twenty four fourteen. That's the language. It's now going into all the world. What's interesting is that Romans was written... 54, 55, 56, 57. Let's say it was written 57, A.D. 57. That's 13 years before the 40, uh, A.D. 70. 13 years before the 40-year cutoff. The church is making an impact upon the world. And we're, we're getting tidbits of information of fulfillment of that prophecy that God made in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Uh, another is Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23. And uh, perhaps uh, that the gospel went into, uh, 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 to every creature under heaven. Well, to what degree? Perhaps we couldn't even debate to what degree that was the case. But I know that it was the point where it was enough and went into enough places that the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit could say to every creature under heaven. We're seeing that it was fulfilled. The question then is, well, how, if so, how was it fulfilled? If you will, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians 1, I want to read verses uh, 7 and 8. Remember Paul went into Thessalonica and there was great persecution of the church. Well, why was the church persecuted? Largely because of their evangelistic efforts. Largely because people understood that they had obeyed the gospel and that they were, they were seeking to, to take the gospel and the good news that they had learned that had saved them through their obedience into other places. And he says in verse 7, So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, so they were good examples of the gospel, but they didn't stop there. You see, being a good example is not enough of preaching the gospel, taking the gospel to the lost. We have to do more than just be an example because that doesn't teach the specifics of how to live the Christian life, how to become a Christian. In verse 8, then he says, Far from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward was spread abroad. So what we're seeing is, is that who was taking the gospel? The members of the church. They were taking the gospel. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, we find that there was great uh, persecution in the church. And the brethren were scattered abroad. They were scattered out of Jerusalem. But the elders remained in Jerusalem. And in verse 4, 
It says, and they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching Jesus. So it wasn't the preachers. It was the members. So the question is, how did they do it? The evangelistic program of the church in the New Testament was every member of the church was practicing the Great Commission and taking the gospel to people everywhere. And therefore, it went into all the world. It went everywhere, in every place. And people, as Romans chapter 10 verse 16 says, people, all people had the opportunity to say yes or no about the truth. And after all, that's my job. My job is to take the gospel to someone so that they have the opportunity to say yes or no about the truth. Do you believe that it's possible that there are people in this country today who will live, who will be born and die, and never one time ever have the opportunity to hear and say yes or no about the truth? I believe that. The way that we're doing things today in the culture of the church and I think we can do better. I want, I, want me to, I want to do better. When every member is seeking to reach people around the world or around them with the gospel, we can take the gospel to our communities like they did in the New Testament. And, and some important questions that every Christian should ask. How do I feel about teaching the gospel to someone? Uh, how do I handle religious questions? Uh, how do I bring up the subject of religion? Uh, am I comfortable talking about my faith? Uh, do I feel I am equipped or prepared for the service needed for the building up of the Lord's church? And, and, and do I need training uh, to fulfill Matthew 19 and verse, or Matthew 28 and verse 19? Uh, do I need something? And I can only answer that for myself. Am I willing to ask the question and find the answer? Well, I can only do that for myself. And every member of the church uh, certainly should do something in that nature. Training requires three things. It requires information, and information like this lesson. We oftentimes, brethren, think of training in evangelism as having a Bible class on evangelism. But that's not training. It's information. And, and we can uh, say, amen, brother, preach it or teach it. That's right. But when we walk out the door, what do we do? But training requires three things. It requires getting that information, getting that understanding. It also requires doing it, putting it into practice, actually practicing what we're learning. And that's what they were doing in the first century. They were learning and they were practicing, and then we must be accountable for it. And when we have these three, the three things together, we have training. We have the ability. We are empowered it's amazing how it empowers us to do things that we would otherwise never do. I, I received a letter from a sister in New Zealand because I was there last year for three months uh, in uh, uh, Pororua. And she, during the course, she was in tears talking about how that she had never, ever in her Christian life talked to anyone about Jesus Christ. And she had a Bible study. And I received a letter from her just a few weeks ago that... That person, as they continued to obey the gospel, it took them over a year, or, or it took them almost a year, but they obeyed the gospel. If she had never had the training, is it possible that person would never have met someone who would talk to them about Jesus Christ? That scares me. 
That causes me some pause. The purpose of the fishers of men, of course, is to uh, uh, help members of the Lord's church to become more effective in person-to-person evangelism by training. It, it also... Uh, uh, helping individual Christian workers have a greater degree of understanding and confidence in teaching the laws. We, we need confidence. We, we can do this. When I took this training class a number of years ago, there was a 12-year-old in my class with her parents. Because you can do that if you have your parents with you. And she, she taught her grandmother and her two aunts on her sister's side, on her mother's side, and all of them obeyed the gospel before the course was over, where the past 20 years they had been just like this. With the, with the mother. That's what this training does. It, it empowers us to be able to reach people who, granted, they must have an open mind and a good heart. Developing effective teaching skills and techniques and working with the lost souls. That's what it does. And when we have this ability, when we, when we have this practiced understanding, we're capable. And we have this, and then we see opportunities. Doors are everywhere. And when they're not, we make them because we can. Jesus said in Mark chapter 1 and verse 17, He said, Come after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Well, Jesus said, Come after me. He also said, I want to make you a promise that if you will come after me, I will make you change. You will be different. And in a process, in a growth process, as you grow and develop personally in matu- toward maturity and immaturity of Christianity, of, of following me, you will become a fisher of men. I want to be a fisher of men because if you back it up the other direction, a fisher of men is a person who has, who has grown, who has changed and is a follower of Christ. In 2010, or I should say, who is responsible to take the gospel to the lost? I have to ask that question to me. Aunt Barry, are you responsible? Uh, who's responsible? In 2010, I went to Mexico, one of the places I've actually been there several times now, in Monterey, Mexico, there's a Monterey School of Preaching and a congregation, the Sierra Ventana Congregation. And during the time I was there, I had five classes that first time in 2010. I was able to produce nine teachers. And, of course, I had to work through translators, so the classes were pretty long, and they sat through all of them. But, but, but during that period of time, produce nine teachers. There are the, a number of these teachers have gone on to produce more teachers as they teach the course. A number of these men teach it every quarter in their congregations. Every quarter. And they have made training individuals the program of evangelism. And what has happened is that congregations are baptizing 100 people a year. 60 people, 20 people, 40 people. And, and, and so this brother and his wife, and he's standing here on this side, uh, Brother uh, Jaime uh, Tellez and his wife, Udith, and they were in my class. He's a businessman. And so he became a teacher in the, in, the, in the course, and he began to teach it every quarter. Since July of 2010, he has now taught the fishers of men every quarter since that day. 
somewhere in the city of Monterey. There, about, there were at that time about 25 congregations. Now there are many more. And so on, when I was getting ready to go back in 2012, I was there in April 2012, and he sat down with me, and he said, Brother Barry, he said, I want you to know that in 2011, another couple, and they're sitting there near him, and I started another congregation. And we teach fishers of men every quarter. And when we have babes in Christ, they go into the fishers of men because it's, it, it teaches them the Bible as well as how to, how to take the gospel to the lost. And he says, there are 13 families represented in this congregation. And it was started in just one year ago. And their program of evangelism is to train the individuals to go do the work. That's New Testament evangelism. He, uh, he has graduations. This is the graduation uh, of, of one of his classes. Uh, here's another graduation of one of his classes. Here's his wife, Udith, and uh, sitting there studying with someone, and they have Bible studies all the time. The, the members have Bible studies all the time. Uh, here's uh, when they get someone, uh, uh, someone obeys the gospel, then they're trained in how to evangelize. They're not just simply said, hey, go talk to somebody. But they're trained. They get the training to do that. And uh, then uh, Brother uh, Martin uh, came to me in 2012, in April. We were preparing to have classes again at the end of the year. And what they wanted me to do in 2012, by this time they had already produced about uh, 12 or 14 more teachers. And those teachers were second. They had not had a full-time instructor teach them, so they wanted me to teach them again. So I taught all the instructors Mondays and Tuesdays nights uh, in the week, and then the last part of the week they taught that class. They had their own classes. So I'd teach the class, they'd teach the class, I'd teach class. And during that, I think there were 22 Fishers of Men classes going on that particular quarter, uh, uh, September through November of 2012, and there were more than uh, 1,000 Bible studies going on at one time by the members of the church, not just the preachers. And there have been a host of people obey the gospel. The Sierra Ventana congregation, only eight people took the class when I was there in 2010. They started, uh, one of the instructors started teaching there. They had 20 baptisms in in the end of 2010, 60 baptisms in 2011, 104 in 2012. And I asked the director of the school, the Monterey School of Preaching, who is also the pulpit man of that congregation, I said, Brother, you've had 164 new members come into the congregation. They were about 100 in size. Now they were well over, they were approaching 300. And, and, and I said, how many of these, through the process of the Fishers of Men study sheets, uh, which there are 16 lessons right now, I said, how many of them have left the church? He said, one. And I said, one? He said, yes, but he came back. And so that's what's happening. Not only are members of the church empowered to take the gospel to the lost, but they're if teaching effectively so that we don't have this, well, we're here for two weeks and then we go somewhere else. We have a better understanding of what we're doing when we do it in obedience to the gospel. And so Brother Martin, when he took my class in 2010, did not, he didn't do anything. He was a preacher, but he did nothing. He wasn't interested. And so he did his homework, and that was it. He didn't go out and talk to people. He didn't set up any Bible studies. And so now we're in April of 2012, and he's now wanting to go to Guadalajara and teach and start a new congregation. And so he comes to me, and he said, Brother Barry, please 
come down to Guadalajara when you come back. And I said, well, that means I'll have to fly down to Guadalajara, fly back to Monterey every week. And a translator has to do that. I'll have to see if I get support to do that. So we did. We got support. But he said what happened was that when he went down for the, for the evaluation of the place, they did a little campaign with the staff and the students of the school, and the staff and the students were serious about Fishers of Men, and he wasn't, so he went out with one of the men, and, and he did all the talking and failed, and when the man did uh, approach three people and had three Bible studies, uh, after t- approaching three people, he said, I need Fishers of Men again. So we went down there, taught Fishers of Men, and, and so uh, he... He sent me this picture. Well, we taught uh, in another congregation uh, down there, small congregation, about an hour away from where he was started, wanted to start the work in Guadalajara. Guadalajara is a large city, large city. And so on Sunday afternoons, this congregation would go over to uh, where he's trying to start the work and would support it, and here they are. But as he began to teach and began to teach the course and began to practice the course himself. And uh, two years ago, this was in 2012, in 2014 in October, he sent me this picture. And there are no members of the church across the city. That's what's happening. Because the program of the church is train the members, and the members are able to practice New Testament evangelism. And so we have the important question. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I ask myself, as a child of God, what is my thought about the Great Commission? Is it a suggestion? Or am I commanded to do this? Am I free to pick and choose commands? And so... I need training. As a gospel preacher, I needed training. You know, when I went through Memphis School of Preaching, I didn't learn how to be an evangelist. I had to figure that out for myself. Is that correct, Rick? We have to figure that out for ourselves. I wish that Memphis School of Preaching would allow the training of this evangelism course because it empowers people to talk to their friends and their neighbors and their family members whom they've been like this for years. It stops. And if they have a good and open heart, they will listen because we learn how to talk to them. That's something we can learn. We learn how to teach them and take the gospel to them. It's wonderful. And I'm grateful to God that I have been blessed to be a part of this work. And I'm grateful to God that many around the world have received this training and we just continually raise the army of individual soldiers just like they did in the New Testament. This is New Testament evangelism. I thank you for your attention and your, and your thoughts about this this morning. There might be someone here this morning who's not a Christian. You've been studying the Word of God. You've been thinking about the truth and you, you recognize that, that uh, you need to do something because of your faith you're willing to repent of each and every one of your sins and to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and to be baptized for the mission of your sins that's the message that every person in this world needs the opportunity to say yes or no about it's their business 
But it's our business to tell you. And if you need to do this, we encourage you to do this. If you've done, not, if you've done this and have not lived faithfully, each of us has to consider where we are in our relationship with God. Each of us. And whatever that relationship is, we need to move forward. We extend the invitation. We'll have an invitation song. And if someone needs to respond to the invitation, you need the prayers of the church. You need to confess, brethren. Do so as we stand and sing.